0: Hi everyone and welcome to Happy Art Bland. I'm Kayla Ruskowski and I'm Ashley
1: Pulsoway and we want to welcome you back. Hi.
0: <laughs> oh how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. 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 Yes yeah, so it's been a while since we've been in the studio. We were talking about it as we mm-hmm. were
1: walking in. It's just I think it was freezing last time we and now it's like 80 degrees. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We almost just turned around and went to the swimming pool. Please. Instead of recording today. (laughs) One of my
1: friend's kids yesterday, I guess I was out of town, but yesterday they said here it was like 87 degrees. And my friend was like, my daughter just was begging to go to the pool. And she's like, honey, the pools aren't open yet. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But it was nice enough to go. I know. Pretty soon. Yes.
0: Okay. So today I'm going to be giving our listeners an update on the Provider Relief Fund based on information that was made available through today. As we know, this information is constantly changing, and it seems like every week there's a new update. So just a disclaimer for everyone, (laughs) the information in today's episode is current through April 5th. All right. And so since everyone's going to hear my voice quite a bit throughout the episode, I wanted to ask Ashley our question of the day. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that I'm assuming you love spring. Yes. I mean, who doesn't? Right. Right? Yep. Okay. So can you tell me three things that you love about spring?
1: Um, Let's see. I'd say the weather first and foremost, but you know, living in Nebraska, it could probably snow tomorrow. It could be 80 here today <laughs> yes. and snow tomorrow, and then it'll take three more weeks for it to melt. But no, I love the weather. I like spring cleaning. I've recently oh, found I like, like that. just clearing everything out. Like we've been in our house for almost 11 years and I just did this deep spring cleaning and- I threw away so much. Good like a, for I you. I feel like so much lighter now. Yes. So. Especially once you have a child also. Why do you it have so many like toys? You
0: are obligated to fill your house with the rafters yeah, full It can't of be things. beautiful.
1: No. But then it's beautiful for like two seconds and then they bring all their cars and Literally two seconds. Like, okay, yes. dokey. My third thing would be like the sun beating down. Like, Oof. you know in the winter, it, it feels good to sit in your window where the sun's just beating in. Mm-hmm. But like in the spring, you can go like sit out and take 20 minutes to just go sit there and just let. It just feels so good. I don't know why. It just feels so good. Yes,
0: that vitamin D. I always see our
1: coworkers out and about on their walks. Doing their walks. During the day. And I wish I was one of those people. But I'd rather just sit in my backyard in a (laughs) chair. Just get some sun. Yes, yes. (laughs) But yeah, those are my three things. How about you? I like that. Uh, Mine are all similar,
0: actually. Funny Mm -hmm. enough. I would say the weather, cleaning,
1: and your kids enjoy being outside too?
0: They do. Yeah. They love it, which is good. I thought they would be, you know, I have the two daughters the that are the divas. Yeah. And so I <laughs> was afraid that they would not like the outdoors, but they really got into last summer oh. catching all these butterflies. Oh, yes. Wonderful. Which is so cute. But then oh you kind of feel bad for these butterflies. They would catch you. Like, i let
1: them go now. <laughs>
0: yes. These beautiful monarchs with their like velvety wings oh. and they are do just they have butterfly suffocating. Nets every- oh. Yes, yes. We've got them in pickle oh, jars gosh. everywhere. Yeah, you better you poke know? some holes in the top. We do. And I just feel so bad. So then, of course, <laughs> Ella tries to do catch and release, oh, but it's good. just been a little bit too long and they don't, yeah. they can't quite fly. survive <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, god. So, yes. Poor but babes. mine are all
0: similar things. Yeah. I'm excited that spring is here. I think yes. it just makes me in a much better mood. I think and last
1: year kind of helped everybody enjoy the outdoors a, a lot point. more than it did. Yes. And maybe years passed for some because well one you had nothing to do but two it was like outside was your release to yes. just be out of the house. So great
0: point we had probably taken taken it for granted. Right. For yeah. sure. Good All point. Right.
1: Well, today, um, what will today's, pro- nope, nope, nope. All right, Kaylee. What will today's Provider Relief Fund update cover?
0: Yeah, good question. So we're going to cover a few different topics. The big ones will be lost revenue, which is kind of a highly controversial area, single audits, and then we'll wrap up with just a few miscellaneous
1: items. Cool. Do you want to start with reporting first? Oh
0: yeah. I didn't mention reporting, but reporting is, oh, oh, no, you're okay. right. I've just okay. overlooked that on the list. Reporting okay. is the first place that we should start. Just a a friendly reminder. (laughs) Yes. I appreciate that little prod. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I think reporting has been probably the biggest question in providers' minds because originally there was a reporting deadline of February 15th where the healthcare providers would have to go in and say, this is how we've used up the money that has been given to us so far through December 31st. And that reporting was going to have to be done by February 15th. So we waited until the end of January and then found out that that deadline was going to be extended. Hmm. However, we have not received an updated due date. So everyone is wondering, you know, Um. when is this report going to be due? And unfortunately, I don't have the answer today. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I did, Um. I wish I did. So what I can tell our listeners is that as of today, the reporting deadline that we know of, which this was included in the original guidance as well, is that a report will be due by July 31st for how funds were spent in 2021. So I know a lot of healthcare providers have received a lot of money, and so many of them had plans to spend it in the first two quarters of 2021 as well. And so we knew that providers were going to have to report on how they spent those funds by July 31st, 2021. So we shall see. I will be curious if... HHS, the Department of Health and Human Services, doesn't just decide to have providers just report all of the use of their expenses Mm -hmm. by that July 31st deadline instead of making two separate reporting deadlines. Hopefully. Yes, that (laughs) would be nice. I know it would eliminate a lot of confusion and just a lot of burden on providers from having to do something twice as opposed to just once. So great point. The other item related to reporting is that HHS did announce the launch of the reporting portal, which is oh. the website that providers will use to log on to and report how they spent the money. And at this point, they are strongly encouraging providers to go onto the website and establish their account. However, once you have established your account and you're in the website, so mm-hmm. to speak, you can do nothing. Uh, (laughs) Well, yes, it's truly just like we're recommending you go sign up on this website and that's it. Like there's (laughs) nothing else you can do. So I feel bad because a lot of providers have asked, you know, um, can we kind of test the website out or start to drop some information Mm -hmm. in? And unfortunately, no, you can't. So more to come certainly on there. I'm sure we'll do another episode when that guidance is released. I anticipate it will be a big. Update um, when we do when we do get that. All right. Next, we're going to talk about lost revenue.
1: All right. And what do you mean by lost revenue? Like the revenue providers could have made if COVID had not happened?
0: Yes. Exactly. Cool. Yep. So that is the definition of lost revenue at its core. And for provider relief funds, lost revenue can count as a use of the funds. So you know, just to kind of back up for a second. All of these healthcare providers, whether you're a doctor, a nursing home, a hospital, everyone's just received all this federal money and you have to spend it in accordance with how they tell you you have to spend it. And so one of the ways you can quote unquote spend the money is Mm -hmm. apply it to lost revenue. And so to Ashley's point, HHS is trying to provide relief to healthcare providers that were supposed to make all this money Mm -hmm. during the COVID year and didn't. And so the big question is,
1: how can you calculate yes. Like that?
0: Yes. Nice. Yes, exactly. And so that is where the guidance has kind of flipped flopped since this money was originally given to healthcare providers back in April and May. There was one definition and then it changed and then it's changed two or three more Times poor people. (laughs) Yes, I know. You know, they just want to make sure they're using the money how they're supposed Mm, to. So it's it's tough. And I'm not going to go into all of the old definitions because Mm -hmm. I don't want to confuse anyone. So we're just going to talk about what the guidance is as of today in terms of how you can calculate lost revenue. So there's three different ways that are defined in the guidance. The first is the difference between your 2019 and 2020 actual patient care revenue. So if you take your income statement from 2019 and compare it to 2020, Mm -hmm. and you look at that total revenue number for both years, and your 2020 is less than your 2019, that difference would be lost revenue. That's the first option. The second option is you can compare your budget for 2020 to your 2020 actual. And the caveat with the budget, the budget method is that your budget had to be approved by March 27th, 2020. Mm. And so for approved, you know, that's kind of a, a, a word that's not really defined anywhere. If you're a nonprofit, that's easy probably because you had your board of directors approve your budget. However, if you are a for-profit and maybe don't have a formal approval process of your annual budget, To the extent that you can locate documentation in terms of finalizing your budget, whether it be the date that you entered it into your accounting software or have some sort of email correspondence with your CFO or other accounting personnel saying, Mm -hmm. this is the date that we established the budget, I think that would be helpful. So that's just the one caveat on the budget method. And then the last method is the most high risk approach. It's not something I would recommend doing, (laughs) but you know, the big thing is these providers don't want to have to send the money back. That's the thing. If they don't spend the money how they're supposed to, they are supposed to send the excess money Mm. back and people don't want to do that. And so they can use this final method to calculate lost revenue. And what they can do is they can just calculate any reasonable method of estimating (laughs) revenue. And so if you do take that approach, you have to also submit a description of the method. So how you came up with it, why that methodology is appropriate, and how those lost revenues that you're calculating are in fact attributable to coronavirus. And HHS has come out and said that if you use this method, you face an increased likelihood of audit, Oof. so that to me does not sound like an empty not promise. want to do. Yeah, I think they are <laughs> happy to fulfill that promise, For and sure. so that is why I just do not recommend it. I don't think there's any reason to proactively raise the red flag. You know, right. come on over and look at look at us. Right. So um, I would only the use first that. You sound like yeah, it <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's just the safest bet. Another item that has come up regarding lost revenue is, is there a limit to how much of those funds you can use on lost revenue? And there's not. The, the thing is that you first have to apply these funds that you've received to the money that you actually spent. You know, so people are buying equipment and paying for medical supplies. You have to apply the funds first to those items mm-hmm. and then to lost revenue, but there is no limit. So you can certainly recognize as much lost revenue as you did incur. Next, let's talk about single audits. All the single audits. I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) Please leave uh, that singing in. That was awesome. All the single audits. (laughs) I'm just kidding. All the single audits. If you haven't listened to our episode about single audits with Nick Eaker, we'd recommend that you do go back and give that a listen. He did do a good job explaining audit in terms that we can all understand. I know there are a lot of people who will have single audits for the first time as a result of all the CARES Act funding.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Great introduction and transition. I'm still, I thought you'd start singing with me. I'm so, no, I have the worst singing voice so ever. Do I. I, can only, I thought that was right on cue. I think oh Beyonce herself
1: would have been. Okay. <laughs> April Fool's. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, okay. yes. So
0: Ashley's exactly right. This is a new, new territory for a lot of healthcare providers. They haven't previously experienced single audits before and now as a result of all this Act funding most of, not most, but quite a few people will qualify. I should say when it comes to CARES Act funding, I'm talking about the federal dollars received directly from the Department of Health and Human Services, deposited into your bank accounts via ACH, and also potentially any state pass-through you might have received. So a lot of the states received funds from the CARES Act as well and then dispersed that money to health care providers in different ways. And so if you're a recipient of those funds, you will want to identify those because where we're headed is if your entity has received more than $750,000 in federal CARES Act funding, which includes that state pass-through, then you will qualify for a single audit. And Nick explained very well in his episode, but I'll just give a quick background So, what is a single audit. A single audit is where an audit firm will test for compliance with program requirements and provide an audit opinion. And so this is usually performed in conjunction with an annual financial statement audit. Historically, single audits have only applied to governmental entities and not-for-profit entities. And so the CARES Act funding has created a new challenge, I guess, for... um, auditing, the auditing Mm -hmm. world, because now we have a lot of for-profit healthcare providers that have received more than $750,000 in this federal funding. And so uh, something had to be done in terms of how could this money be audited. And so two options have been developed for the for-profits. For-profits will either be subjected to a single audit that's performed in conjunction with their annual financial statement audit, or a financial related audit of the awards conducted in accordance with government auditing standards. And so what that second option would look like is healthcare providers would just prepare a single financial statement that lists the revenue that they've received from the CARES Act, and then they would list out the expenses and lost revenue, and the auditor would come in and audit that statement and kind of the underlying information behind it. So those are the options for the for-profit healthcare providers that have received more than 750,000. If you are a not-for-profit or governmental entity that's received more than 750,000, you'll have your annual financial statement audit, and then the single audit will be performed in conjunction with that. So that's really just a quick recap on single audits. There's more information, unfortunately, to come there again. <laughs> Like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, the guidance is constantly changing. The single audit deadline was actually just announced to be extended um, this last week. Typically, single audits are due nine months after your, your end. They've mm-hmm. added additional six months Ooh. on top of that. Nice. So I think they did that because we're waiting for the CARES Act guidance to come out that reporting guidance that we just talked about, that will be tested during the single audit. And until we have a definitive answer on that reporting, it will be difficult to perform the single audit. Right. So it just kind of delays everything. Unfortunately, it's it's a lot to keep track of, but you know we're trying to make sure that at least our clients and our contacts are all updated on these different timeframes and what needs to be done. But of course, if anyone has any questions, they can always reach out. So the last item I want to talk about is just a few quick hit items on the FAQ responses. I would recommend that anyone that wants to learn more about Provider Relief Fund and how you can spend the money, go out to the Provider Relief website, Um, not sponsored by HHS. They have a FAQ section where they have a lot of questions and then the responses, and that is considered guidance. And so it is important to have at least a high level understanding of what's out there and, and read through it as you evaluate, you know, for your own Um, organization how how you can spend the money and what's going to qualify. So the first item is interest earned on the provider relief fund distributions. So what's happening is a lot of money is being transferred into healthcare providers' bank accounts, and they may transfer that money into a money market or another account that's going to earn interest. And so the question is, do you have to report the interest earned on those funds as revenue when you do... Mm -hmm report on these funds. And so what HHS has come out and said is if the funds are held in an interest-bearing account, the interest earned is considered a reportable revenue. And if a provider spends all of their money, all of their provider relief fund money, they can keep that interest earned and they have to spend that interest on like a qualifying use
1: of the funds by the end of the year.
0: Um by June 30. Okay. Yep if they do not spend all their prf money so at june 30 2021 they decide you know what we haven't spent $50,000 of this money we received and we have to ret- we need to return it the interest earned on that fifty thousand dollars would also need to be remitted oh. to HHS, and so that's a little bit messy and and a, a calculation that would probably have to be done because it's not just going to be a nice clean. Here's our fifty thousand sitting here with the interest that was earned on it. Um, I'm sure that cash balance is fluctuating, and so what we would recommend doing there is providers just trying to make a reasonable calculation, documenting how they made that calculation. And, and then submitting. So just kind of giving their best guess. And I think as long as their logic is sound, they shouldn't get any questions on that. The next item that was addressed in the FAQs is COVID-19 vaccine distribution. And so the frequently asked question was, can the PRF distributions be used to support vaccine distribution? And the answer is yes. If those expenses that you want to cover have not been reimbursed from another source, then you can use your PRF money to pay for that. So to the extent that you have staff that are helping to administer the vaccine, Mm -hmm. those payroll costs associated with that, or you had to buy additional refrigerator to store the vaccines in, that can count as a qualifying Mm. use of your PRF money. And then lastly, the final item I just wanted to address was a reporting clarification that had been given. So there's a lot of companies that have ownership structures where there's a parent and multiple subsidiaries and the funds may have been, the HHS funds may have been deposited to the parent company and the parent then distributed it to their different uh, facilities. Let's say it's a nursing home chain and there's a parent company and five nursing homes underneath. Mm -hmm. They gave money to each of the five nursing homes. So the question was, well, who is supposed to report on the money? Is it the parent company that actually received it or is it the nursing homes that, you know, Mm -hmm. actually spent it. Mm -hmm. And so HHS clarified that it is whoever received the money, the initial recipient, they are the reporting entity. So in that situation I just shared Mm -hmm. would be the parent company that has to report on it. And it would be vice versa. If subsidiaries were receiving the money directly and had given it to their parent company, Mm -hmm. it would still be the subsidiaries that need to be the reporting entity. So just a clarification there. That is all the updates I had to share today. As I mentioned, I'm sure we will have at least one more episode yeah. on this topic, but realistically, probably more than one. But that's okay. We right. just want to push the information out as it's always we changing. Learn it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you know, everyone wants to do the right thing. And so to the extent that we can help provide that education so people know how they're supposed to
1: comply you know, that's what we're going to keep doing. So thanks Kaylee for sharing all that, all the dates and then the recap of everything. I'm sure it's really appreciative to all of you out there. So as always, if you enjoyed the podcast today, please visit our website at www.blancpa.com and leave us a note. We'd also be very appreciative if you could rate and review the podcast on whichever app you use to listen to the podcast today. As you know, there's many podcasts out there and we truly appreciate you taking the time to listen to ours. So, friends, with that, be informed, be inspired, and be awesome. Bye! Ahura
0: Media Production.